Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey folks, welcome to another edition of Dog Walk Talk presented to you by Dogs HQ. As always, I'm your host, Jake Roos. And with me as always, the man fresh in off of Rocky Top, that's Palmer Thomas. PT, what's good, brother? Still coming down from Rocky Top, just ready to uh, recap this game, close the book on Georgia, Tennessee, a, a dominant performance from the dogs, uh, and, and one that I think Georgia, learned, Georgia fans were able to learn a lot about this team, uh, several players stepping up. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, we're going to get into all of it. Uh, you know, the couple of injury scares there. Um, but for the most part, Georgia comes away, uh, you know, pretty clean and, and winners of a 41 17 game over Tennessee finishing out their sec slate in the regular season undefeated for the first time since 1982. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, not only are we putting Tennessee to bed, but this puts together, this puts to bed the sec slate for the dogs, uh, good way to close it out. Um, good challenge for him. I thought, you know, that's what we talked about on the last podcast. I thought that that was true. I thought that what we touched on in terms of what Tennessee was going to be able to do, um, it was apparent. I thought on Saturday, um, you know, they played Georgia about as well as anybody had, but Hey, Saturday, it was James Cook's world and we were all just living in it, man. Uh, just a, a stellar performance, uh, for me, the career game, uh, for James Cook, I can't think of a better contest he's had. Um, you know, just getting it done in all facets as well. Um, you know, leading the team in rushing, 10 rushes, 104 yards, two touchdowns on the ground, and uh, tacks on a touchdown receiving as well. Uh, three receptions for 43 yards. A great, great day for James Cook. You can't underrate his performance um, at all. And uh, Made a big difference for Georgia. But uh, like you said, you know, there were some other guys. Obviously, we'll get to Stetson Bennett uh, because we have to talk quarterbacks. It wouldn't be a a podcast if we didn't. Um, But, uh, you know, just overall your impressions of the game. Uh, You know, my big takeaway, uh, and I wrote this in the three keys after the game, you know, Tennessee did what I thought they were going to do in coming out and firing quick and just kind of creating that flurry of offense. And Georgia did a really good job of withstanding the storm. Um, You know, I think that it was – it could have been concerning, um, but you saw these dogs kind of do what they've done all season when they've had adversity or when they've had, you know, teams score on them. They just kind of get back to what they do and and they know who they are. They they, they seem to have a very clear identity, I think. you know, Palmer, your, your takeaways from uh, what you saw in Knoxville yesterday. Yeah, I guess let's start on the defensive side of the ball um, because, you know, that's how this game started. Ten- Georgia won the toss, deferred. Tennessee gets the ball and, and goes down the school field and scores uh, 10 plays, 77 yards, I think, um, something like that. And and you could tell that Georgia was scrambling a little bit defensively. Um, it, it looked had Georgia not made adjustments, this game would have been a four quarter game and, and Tennessee absolutely would have given them some trouble. Um, 
you know, because and, and it probably would have been a shootout. It probably would have been a shootout in that way because you saw, you know, Georgia responds immediately with a touchdown. You know, we're probably what? 10, I mean, five, 10 minutes into this game, you know, not halfway through the first quarter. And, and, you know, if, if that, and it's, it's a seven, seven game, both these teams have had the ball, both teams score down the, you know, drive down the field and score from 70 yards. Uh, you know, second play of the game, Tennessee took a shot and, and had a wide open receiver. Hinn uh, and Hooker overthrows Valus Jones there. Um, but, you know, the biggest thing to me was, it, it, like we said, it wasn't a huge surprise that Tennessee was going to come out and challenge Georgia defensively. This is uh, an offense that they haven't seen before, an offense that they probably won't see um, at, at least to the extreme that, that this Tennessee offense does the tempo, stretches the field. Um, you know, the Vols certainly want to take their shots and, and you know, they, they hit on a couple of them. Um, you know, Cedric Tillman with a huge game for Tennessee, uh, had 200 receiving yards, a touchdown. Um, but in, in terms of, you know, looking back at that, um, you know, the defensive performance, I think the biggest thing was three drives in Georgia ha- has given up a touchdown. He forces a three and out and then a field goal. And, and they're down 10 to seven at the end of the first quarter, first break in action that Georgia has been trailing all year. They make the change on the fourth Tennessee drive to move Chris Smith from safety to star, put Dan Jackson in the game at safety, and send Latavius Brini to the sideline. And it's no knock on Latavius. I think, uh, you know, he, he has absolutely earned the right to be on the field. He's earned the right to be a big part of this defense. But Georgia had to do different things defensively against Tennessee than they're used to. They want, you know, this year we've seen, I feel like we've seen a lot more zone coverage out of this team. Uh, than the man-to-man that that Kirby, you know, prides himself on. This game, you were challenged to do a little bit more man-to-man rather than, you know, going into a zone. Um, and, and you know, in order to stick with these receivers, that's the best way to do it because if not, you know, they, they will find space in the zone. They will attack that space, and, and they'll be able to drive the ball like they did. Um, so Georgia goes, puts Smith in at star, uh, and, and he played very well. I mean, he's a great tackler as is. Um, as, as Kirby said, after the game, he's a guy that they, they repped there throughout the week thinking that they may need him to play there, uh, you know, with his man-to-man coverage ability, even at safety, uh, he's a, he's a weapon there and and Dan Jackson has been playing well at safety. So they felt like that was probably a better combo than Smith at safety and Brini at star where they were going to be challenged. Um, well, I, I think, I think, I think that move. Well, I think too. I think, I think no. I think I think too. Something that that has to be taken into account, and I don't know that people realize this. Dan Jackson is legitimately one of the fastest players on the team. Uh, when you're talking about pure speed, I mean, you're talking about a guy who's in that four four range. And I know that people probably, probably what earned him a spot on the team in the first place. I mean, exactly. I mean, people. On, that's that's how he impressed. Is he he you know ran a blazing time, and and Georgia was able to be like, hey. We don't know where we're going to have this kid. We don't know if he'll ever play for us, but he's fast. And yeah. there's no reason to not have a kid like that on your team. And it's certainly paying off for Georgia this year. Yeah. And when, you, when you're when you playing an offense that's going with that kind of tempo and that kind of speed, you know, 
Listen, Latavius. Latavius is a great player. He's done great for Georgia this year. He's been an he's been incredibly solid at that start position. One of the top tacklers on the team. Um, you know, a guy who's really solid in coverage, but he's not as fast. I mean, it, you know, Chris is Chris is probably a little quicker footed than him at that start position. And then if you want to put a guy on the back end who's able to track some guys down, that's probably Dan Jackson. And I know people probably don't give him that credit uh, being a walk on guy, but it's true. Well, and, and it would not surprise me at all to see Breeny back in the lineup next Saturday. Oh, sure. I, I don't think Chris Smith at star is, is the, is a permanent thing. I think that that is an, an adjustment that they had to make and, and it paid off because it, you know, when they made the adjustment, they had given up 10 points and three drives rest of the game, they give up seven more. And, and, you know, just looking at the, uh, you know, drive summaries for Tennessee, um, you know, there, there was the interception in there. I mean, Tennessee, like I said, ran three drives with a touchdown, a punt and a field goal. After that, they run one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine more drives and come away with just one more score. So, you know, the, 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 the move certainly paid off, uh, for Georgia. I, and, and I think that, you know, you also had to adjust with the tempo of the offense, um, knowing that, Look, the, these defensive linemen are, are big for a reason. They are there to stop the run, uh, and and that is what Georgia has done best so far this season um, in terms of, you know, where their strength is in that front seven is, is along the defensive line, stopping the run, getting those big guys in there on first and second down to put teams behind the sticks, behind schedule. And, and you can't do that against Tennessee. You can't count on being able to substitute guys out for third down um, you know, you saw, you know, Georgia get caught with too many men on the field. I believe it was twice. Jordan Davis was running off one of the times, um, you know, you saw defensive linemen going down left and right. Um, and, and most of the time they were returning, uh, to action a couple plays later. Um, but you know, these guys were winded and, and I think Georgia had to realize, you know, you can't substitute just because you want to. If, if the only way that you can substitute is if Tennessee is going to sub. And, and so, you know, that is where that certainly paid off for Georgia to make that adjustment, um, to, to put more defensive backs on the field, to count on that being your lineup rather than trying to stop the run. Uh, and, and just letting the, the defensive line, the you know, guys that were in there do the run stopping duties for them. Uh, you know, overall, I felt like it was a great game from Georgia defensively after they made that adjustment. Uh, they, they got the pressure on the quarterbacks, come up with six sacks. Um, Channing Tindall with a huge night, you know, once again showing that, you know, even without Adam Anderson, Georgia is going to be able to get pressure on quarterbacks. Uh, and, and so, um, you know, overall, came away very impressed with the Georgia defense. Um, have some thoughts on the Georgia offense, but, you know, I guess want to hear what you had to think about the defensive performance, Jake. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was, uh, like you said, I mean, it was – it's what they've been doing. And it's like I said, you know, kind of going into it, uh, you know, they withstood the storm. They were able to, you know, deal with it. And, and you know, it's like uh, it felt a little bit like Auburn in the sense that, you know, I think it would have been easy to probably get away from what you do and try to play Tennessee's game against them, um, you know, rather than play what you do. And um, I, I thought that they did a good job of sticking to their assignments, um, you know, taking the opportunities that they had and, uh, you know, Overall, uh, like you said, you know, I thought the depth would be a bigger issue or a bigger 
benefit to Georgia, but they weren't able to substitute that depth in um, because Tennessee was moving just so fast. Um, but, you know, I think that this was a really good test for them. And like you said, they probably won't see anything like this to this scale moving forward. Um, but that's not a bad thing. I mean, they, the, the fact that you saw it and you were able to deal with it. Now, if somebody goes tempo, you're able to, you know, that you're able to keep up with that. You know, that that's something that you've got in your, your pocket that, you know, quite frankly, you weren't tested on to this point. So um, I, I, a good takeaway for them, for sure. Uh, in this one, um, you know, a solid performance all around. Once again, I mean, they really are doing it. I, I forget who said it in the post game show. I think it was maybe Rick Neuheisel, um, but was saying that, you know, George is doing this in a way that a lot of people didn't think was possible anymore in the college football game. And they're doing it week in and week out. The defense is not a fluke. I mean, we say that all the time and it's, it's, they've, they've proven themselves against uh, about any and every offensive attack that you could imagine. And I think that that's, that's huge for their chances moving forward. And, and credit to Tennessee putting up 17 points. That's the most that George has allowed all season. Uh, I, I think both of us predicted that in terms of our score predictions saying that, that that Tennessee would put up more points than uh than any other team had previous yep. high was 13 um it just felt like a game that, that Tennessee was going to be able to get in the end zone at least twice um they, they did that I barely, obviously I barely beat you in my prediction I was a little bit I was uh, I, I was I was six points off you were eight points off so feeling feeling good about that one but it was uh it was it was it was tight man and you know Tennessee um I yeah, I don't. Th- I don't think it was a surprise to anybody. I don't think it was a surprise at Georgia. I don't think it was a surprise to the national media, uh, the the local guys who cover the team. You know, this was a good team. I mean, this is a good Tennessee team, and it's really going to be interesting to see what they can do moving forward. Um, you know, I think that Josh Heupel. This is this is going to be one of those offenses, sort of like Ole Miss, that you know, you if you're a kid you're going to be excited to check that out and to be a part of that. Cause you know, you're going to get opportunities, you know, you're going to get numbers. Um, you know, if you're a player in that man, it, you know, Tennessee's got a real shot. And uh, like I said before, that's not what I thought going into this, that uh, the Josh Heupel experiment would be, but uh, pay credit to him, man. He, he's done a great job so far. Well, enough talk about the Tennessee offense. Let's turn our attention to the Georgia offense. Uh, Jake, what were your takeaways um, you know, looking at things, let's, I guess let's, let's go big picture before we narrow in on the quarterbacks. Like we always do. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned James cook earlier. Um, you know, I guess I'll start with my impressions. Uh, you know, this was, like you said, this was the James cook game. Yeah. It was a game that is years and years in the making. I, I feel like this is the kind of performance that fans, we're expecting game in and game out when James Cook signed with Georgia back in 2018. Uh, you know, whether those expectations were fair or not, they were probably a little bit elevated based on what Dalvin was doing and what Dalvin had done at uh, Florida State. But in terms of, you know, what he's capable of, this is exactly what it was. You know, like you said, 10 carries, 104 yards, that ties a career high, uh, two touchdowns on the ground, long of 39, average 10.4 on the ground. Uh, <clears throat> had... Uh, three receptions, 43 yards, a touchdown, a long of 23, an average of 14.3. Uh, so you know, they were trying to get him the ball as much as they could, and rightfully so, because on his 13 touches, he puts up, what, 147 yards, averages out to 11.3 yards per touch. Yep. That is a first down every time James Cook was yeah. touching the ball pretty much. And, and so 
you know, absolutely you want to get him the ball. Um, I'm a little surprised that Kirby didn't get him the ball one more time on the ground to top that career high, uh, ties his career high of 104 rushing yards that he had last season against South Carolina. Um, but the but the trio of touchdowns, the hat trick there for him, uh, you know, certainly a, uh, you know, a, a game that I feel like Georgia fans have been hoping for, uh, you know, expecting. And it didn't come as a surprise to Georgia players. Um, you know, speaking with Stetson Bennett and and Kobe Dean after the game, they they said that this wasn't a surprise at all. They said that they, you know, they they see this kind of performance, this this versatility out of Cook all the time. Uh, Dean has has defended against him for three years now. Stetson has been on an offense with him for for a while, and, and so those guys have come to expect uh, big things from James Cook, and, and said it was about time that, that he had a game like this, um, where it felt like every time he touched the ball, he was gonna he was he was gonna find some space and pick up some yardage, uh, and, and had the potential to take it to the house. So big game for me for or, you know big game to me. James Cook had obviously the offensive MVP. I think another guy you've got to give a lot of credit to is ad mitchell yeah. uh you know with five catches 65 yards long of 22 didn't get in the end zone but certainly set up the touchdown on, on georgia's uh final drive of the first half I believe he had four catches on that drive alone uh and just you know time and time and time again was was getting beyond the sticks and, and, a, and a you know weapon that sets a minute could check the ball down to, um, you know, not necessarily having to take some shots, but just a very reliable option. Uh, led the team in receptions, led the team in receiving yards, led the team in targets. Uh, and, and so, you know, I, I think that this is the time of year that you come to expect a freshman to, you know, continue to make those strides forward. Um, you know, I, I think that this is a make or break time of the year for a freshman because Kirby has always said, if, if you look at a freshman, this is the time of year that, that they are either going to boom or bust. And because this is they, they're used to playing a high school season that's about 10, you know, a little bit more uh, games long. Georgia's now 10 games into this. Uh, and, and so, you know, if if he if he's not slowing down and, it, and he showed no signs of slowing down, there's no reason to expect that he will, you know, going forward uh, as he gets into a longer season than he's been used to, uh, you know, certainly a big game for him last night and, and one that I think Georgia is going to need, uh, you know, in that wide receiver room, especially with the loss of Arian Smith. Um, you know, AD is not necessarily the, the burner that, that Smith is. He's not necessarily the you know big play playmaker, but like I said, a very reliable option. Uh, that, that Georgia, you know, absolutely is going to need down the stretch. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I, you know, I mean, I, I thought that uh, his performance was was great. Um, you know, Brock Bowers uh, almost reeled in that that insane catch on the sideline. Uh, I thought it was a catch personally, uh, just looking at the replay. But um, you could make the argument either way. Um, I think had it been ruled a catch on the field, it probably was good. I, 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 I just was, don't think that there was an, a. a definitive look to say that he had control of the ball. No, I agree completely. Um, and then uh, but, but even, even just to bring that ball in, I mean, oh, whether sure. or not it was a football catch at all, the athletic play to, to be able to reel that ball in and, and make it, you know, even a conversation that we're having was incredible. And then you mentioned James Cook. And I think that, um, you know, this to me felt like a game, um, you know, I know there have been some hundred yard games this season for the backs and, um, you know, last season as well. But I mean, this was, this was only the second, this was only the second. So just Florida then. 
Yeah, with with Samir, Samir in Florida, and and this one for James Cook. This felt Only like this felt like this felt like the hottest hand that a running back at Georgia has had in probably two seasons. I mean, a, you know, G, a, Zamir had Zamir had a couple games last year for sure, but in all facets, I mean, this was him getting it done all across the offense, and just. I mean, he was unstoppable. Like you said, to be averaging those kind of numbers, 11 yards, 11 yards a touch, that's, I mean, you can't ask for much more than that. So, uh, like you said, the, the buildup had long been there. I think this is what people had been hoping for for James Cook and had expected from him. I mean, one of the top running backs in his class coming out. Um, and, you know, I, I think that it's been – uh, I don't know. I won't say it's been impossible to, to, to figure out how to use it, but it feels like Georgia's not really zeroed in on exactly what this kid does well. And maybe it's, maybe the case is that he does, he does everything good, but not nothing perfect. Right. Last night, it felt like it finally all came together for him. Everything was clicking on all cylinders. So, uh, you know, uh, credit to him and uh, credit to A.D. Mitchell, like you said, Uh, you know, I mean, uh, we're going to get into it now, I guess. We'll move into the direction of Stetson. One, one thing I'll add yeah. on, on that cook note, when, when you you know bring up the point about Georgia's maybe had some difficulties, some challenges, finding a way, you know, finding the right way to use James Cook. Yeah. The, the first thing that came to mind was this is the first time that he's had the same offensive – or that the same offensive coordinator has worked with Cook for multiple years. I mean, it was Jim Chaney for one year, then James Coley – then Todd Monken in a, in a COVID off season, yeah. uh, you know, now in, in a second year with him, it finally feels like that, you know, first of all, great decision by James Cook to come back to school uh, okay. and, and to have the season that he's having. I think I absolutely think that he's helping his draft stock. Uh, but in, in terms of, you know, what Georgia has been able to do with him, I feel like you're right that they've, that they've, you know, maybe figured out that he's not great at anything in particular, but he's really good at most everything. And, and that they have found that perfect mixture, that combination of how we want to use him uh, offensively. And, and so, you know, it, credit to Todd Munkin, credit to James Cook and, and credit to, uh, you know, the rest of the offense being able to get him the ball and, and get him in space. Yeah, he's like, you know, he's a true like scat back, right? He's like one of those guys that you see in the NFL that's just everywhere. Um, you know, Ty Montgomery was like that. Um, Taylor Gabriel reminded me of that. I, those are smaller guys. I mean, James is not that small of a guy, but, um, you know, it's just that ability to kind of move him anywhere across the offense and, and dry, dial up packages for him. You know, I was watching. It's interesting that we're talking about this now because I was watching um, the Falcons earlier and they were talking about Corey. Daryl Patterson and the fact that, you know, you're seeing a resurgence in his career seven, eight years in, but he's also getting about mm, nine more touches a game than he was getting previously. And it's, you know, that, that usage and figuring out, you know, how to play into a guy's skill set, uh, it matters. It's huge. I mean, and, and, and I think with a versatile guy like James, you know, you've got to find all the right elements. And, and when they all come together, you know, you can get a performance like you did yesterday. And, um, you know, I don't think that he's that guy week in and week out. Uh, you know, I don't think that he's going to be somebody. I mean, he's not going to put up 103 touchdowns every week. Nobody's going to do that. But at the same time, I, I do think that, you know, he's a guy that you can that you can turn to uh, with some specific packages and some, some specific plays that, that play really well into what he does. Um, 
But speaking of doing things well and and into what they do, uh, Stetson Bennett uh, once again um, comes out and, I mean, he played efficiently, right? 60% on the day, 213 yards, a touchdown, 17 to 29. Um, you know, doesn't doesn't turn the ball over, is careful with that. Um, in, in, in many ways, I felt like perhaps uh, one of the more game managery uh, games that he'd had, you know, in a, in a while, um, you know, wasn't taking as many shots. You saw the one long touchdown was that that was a good, that was a great shot. I mean, to, to James was, uh, that was a ball that only he could get and, uh, well thrown by Stetson. The, the, the fan base still clearly, there are some out there who are not, not pleased with this. Um, you know, I, I got a lot of comments on Twitter about this yesterday. Um, I'll tell you this, and I've said this before, and I think that it became apparent yesterday, and if you can't see it now, that I don't think that – then you're just kidding yourself. Georgia's offensive line, I think, may be the hidden secret of this team. I think it may be the hidden weakness that they have, and it's something that has been covered up for a lot, I think, because of they haven't played a great pass rush to this point. Um, and simultaneously, I think Stetson's really helped bail them out and make them look a lot better than they are with his legs and his ability to create, so you don't notice some of the stuff. Yesterday was not the case. Uh, you know, yesterday they got exposed a little bit, I thought. Uh, they were getting pushed around. There was a lot of pressure in the backfield. He was creating a lot more than he normally does. And quite frankly, I don't know that um, I, I don't know that you're in a better position with JT Daniels in that game than you are with Stets, with what Stetson Bennett was able to do. I, I think that you're probably in a worse situation, per, uh, honestly. I, I think that he does things that JT doesn't do. Now, do, does he miss some throws? Yes. Does he does he look some guys down? You know, did he miss Darnell Washington on that one? You know, just kind of standing by himself by by staring a guy down. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's going to happen. But it's the good with the bad. It's a trade-off, I think, with Stetson. You're going to get some things. There are some things in his, you know, bag of tricks that JT doesn't have. And, and that and that works in both that works in both ways. I mean, JT does things he can't do as well, but, you know, I, I think that if you're looking for a weak spot on this team, uh, I think it's this offensive line right now. I think they've got to get that figured out. Um, you know, Jamari Sawyer, whew, hurry that man back is all I got to say, because he, he's been, he, he's been a difference maker when he's been in there and it's just frankly not the same without him, but you know, I, I thought Stetson played fine. I thought he played well. Um, I think that he's, he is who he is, and he's, and I think that's good enough. Uh, is it is it perfect? No, but I don't think JT would be either. Um, and it's like I tell people all the time: if you don't trust Kirby to make the decision on who to start at quarterback, you got much bigger problems than one game. Yeah, uh, that's that's a that's an institutional problem if if you don't if you think that he's playing favorites there. Your thoughts? Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with that. Um, I, like you said, I think that 
Stetson's legs were needed yesterday because, you know, he had to carry the ball eight times, um, you know, carried it for 40 yards. I think, first of all, you know, Kirby said this after the game in, in terms of the decision-making, uh, you know, on, on, you know, whether they want to rotate quarterbacks like they did earlier this year uh, or, or if it's too late in the season to do that and, and what goes in. He has said time and time again that the legs are a, a de- the ability to keep the ball is a decision, you know, fa- is a deciding factor. Um, yep. You know, a lot of Georgia's run game is, is going to have a, a read tied to it. And there is no point to running that play if you don't have the capability of keeping it. And, and I just don't, you know, I, I know that JT can keep it. I, it's, it's not his, it's not his MO. And it's not Stetson's either, but it's it's in Stetson's skill set more than it is JT's. Uh, you know, Stetson has those legs, his his ability, whether it is a designed run or a scramble to get away from pressure. Uh, you know, that is in his bag of tricks. And, and like you said, I think that Stetson has made this offensive line look a lot better than they actually are. Um, you know, whether that's him scrambling to extend plays and throwing the ball away, whether that's him, you know, barely getting the ball away and, and, you know, trying to throw it at the feet of a, you know, running back, uh, you know, just to avoid an intentional grounding. Um, You know, Georgia has only allowed through 10 games, Georgia has allowed seven sacks. That's second in the country behind army who we all know doesn't throw the ball that much. Right. Um, So it is Georgia it is Army with four, and they have only played nine games. Georgia with seven, and Northern Illinois with seven. Uh, pretty good numbers. I mean, and and if you just look at the numbers, Georgia has one of the best offensive lines in the country. But if you watch the tape, I, I think it's pretty evident, like you said, the interior of this offensive line has struggled. Warren Erickson had to be replaced by Xavier Truss yesterday. Um I think that, you know, and Kirby mentioned that Warren has been battling the flu. Um, you know, it's certainly going around in Athens. Uh, you know, we, we've got, you know, Georgia had several guys lined up yesterday that, that you know, were battling flu-like symptoms. Uh, you know, a couple guys had to make a trip separate from the team. Uh, and, and so, you know, I, I think that that is – um, you know, certainly a factor in why Warren wasn't playing as Warren Erickson, this is, wasn't playing as well as he might normally. But I also think that of, of the five offensive linemen, he's probably the weakest of the five. He's probably the weak point of them. Um, and, and so and he's, playing out, he's, and he's playing out of position. I mean, he, he's, I think if you've got him at your center, that's a, that's a good fit for him, but in a, in a necessity role where you have to get your best five on he's you know you you want him out there because he's tough and he's and there's a reason that he wasn't in that five to start the season exactly that tate ratledge was and that you know once he goes down that erickson is an experienced guy and he steps in because he knows this offense and he knows how to play guard he knows the responsibilities of the guard because you know he naturally is, is doing that job right next to the guard hand in hand with them. And, and so, you know, I, I think that, um, I, th- I think that it was evident um, yesterday, especially because Erickson did not play well. Uh, they were getting a Jordan Tennessee was getting a ton of pressure on the inside. Um, it w- and, and Justin Schaefer didn't play his best game either. But I mean, I'm not, I'm not, you know, trying to single out Erickson here. 
but once they made that move to Xavier Truss, the offensive line looked to hold up a lot better. Um, still not perfect. Still struggled at times. Stetson was still running for his life at times. And, and again, going back to the quarterback talk, that's why he's in there. That is why he's in there because JT is not capable of running for his life like Stetson was doing. Um, to me, and, and, and I'll ask you this, you bring up Jamari and you bring up his potential return. He dressed out yesterday for the game, was going through warmups, uh, was the third string center uh, according to warmups, which is what he normally is even when he's starting at tackle. Is this, a t- is this the time to put him in at guard and leave Broderick Jones at left tackle, given that Jones will have two starts under his belt plus, uh, you know, a half, half of a game against, uh, against Auburn, um, you know, is, is this the time? I mean, he, he'll have two and a half games under his belt. Yeah, if he's ready. So if he's like re- if- have happened earlier in the year, I felt like it probably should have happened when Jamari was coming back from his ankle injury from Auburn. But Kirby said then that Jamari wasn't playing as well at guard as he was at tackle. And, and so they wanted to keep him, and, you know, as, as a part of the best five offensive linemen, you know, where, where is this guy playing the best? He's playing the best at tackle. It makes sense. But with George's weakness – uh, you know, on the offensive line, being at guard, um, is this the time to, you know, when, now that he's coming back from that injury, you've got some games, you know, that here that Georgia doesn't need to have the best offensive line play uh, to win against Charleston Southern or Georgia Tech. Is that the time to do it? Is this is now the time to put Jamari at right guard or left guard and, and, and you know, have him and Justin Schaefer play guard with Broderick Jones out at left tackle? Yeah, why not? I mean, I think that that makes the most sense to me. I mean, based on what you saw yesterday, um, I, you know, if you're looking forward to that SEC championship game and it's going to be Alabama, you got to be concerned about Alabama's pass rush. I mean, the, their front seven is loaded with guys. I mean, they've got dudes up there. So you've got to get this situation figured out because – if Tennessee is able to get that kind of penetration on you, Alabama is going to be able to do it three times as much, you know, that's a situation where, yeah, you know, let's okay. Keep Broderick where he is, move Jamari in and see how that affects the line. You know, Jamari can go back to left tackle. That's something that he's plenty capable of. He's done for a couple of years now. So, you know, how does it affect the line? Does it change the chemistry at all? Does it, you know, solidify anything to have him playing at that guard position? I think that makes a lot of sense. I don't know that we'll see it. I hope that we do. I think that it would be uh, interesting. And like I said, it's something that I think Georgia has to get figured out ahead of that SEC championship game. And if you're talking about getting the best five out there, um, that probably depends on, well, it, it really probably depends on if they think that Broderick Jones is the is the answer at left tackle. I mean, it, it comes down to: Do you think that Broderick Jones is a better left tackle than Xavier Truss is a better is at right guard? Yeah, sure. I or, or Warren Erickson. Sure, but you know, we, I I think based on the performance that we saw yesterday, I think that there's a chance that they roll with Truss. Uh, you know, in in that spot. At, at right guard, uh, you know, going forward, I think that Eric's. I mean, I I, I don't know. I, I think that that's certainly something to watch. Yeah. Um, but I think it, I think you know, with some experience under his belt at left tackle, uh, you know, in in meaningful snaps, that is, 
you know, he, he obviously got snaps against UAB and South Carolina and, and Vanderbilt and, you know, but he, he has now played STC snaps, you know, meaningful snaps with the first team offense against the first team defense when the game is still on the line in, in two games now at Auburn, excuse me, three games now at Auburn home against Missouri and at Tennessee. I mean, like I said, I, it makes sense to me. I, I think that you, you say you want to get the, the best five on the field, find out, find out, you know, put, put, put him in there, figure it out. It, to me, it's clear. Jamari Sawyer is your number one. He's your best offensive lineman. You have to get him into the lineup somewhere. It doesn't matter where, uh, but it depends on how you feel about Broderick Jones, at left tackle. And if you think he's ready to shoulder the load, and I'll tell you this, I don't know that, I mean, I, I don't think that it would spell ill for next year necessarily, but it probably wouldn't be a great boost to his confidence if he were to get, you know, booted out of that spot again. Um, I don't know. I, I, I hope that's what they do. I, I hope that's what they do because I, I think it makes a lot of sense. Like I said, if you're concerned about anything, be concerned about Alabama's pass rush um, because that's probably the next big challenge Georgia's got coming down, um, coming down the track. Um. Wrapping things up on the game uh, and turning real quickly over to recruiting. Uh, we talked about this one several times last week. No surprise to anybody who's been following along over at Dogs HQ. Julian Humphrey, four-star cornerback out of Clear Lake, Texas, in the Houston area, uh, goes ahead and makes it official, becomes a dog with his commitment last Friday. Um I said the other day, you know, big pickup. Georgia's known what they have to do in this class. Defensive back had to be a focus. You're going to lose some experience back there. Uh, credit to Jamal Adai. Uh, Will Muschamp was a heavy influence in this one. Kirby Smart obviously took a, a lead in this one. And, boy, howdy, they're just beating up on, on poor poor Florida just every way they can. I mean, they flipped Raymond Cottrell the day before. So, you know, that was uh, – I don't, I don't even think we got to touch on that in the last podcast, but – uh, you know, it's a situation where, uh, you know, Georgia remains hot on the trail. Um, Julian going to be interesting, I think, to see at the next level. Uh, I think he's a guy who really stands out to me as an immediate special teams contributor. Um, and then you see where he goes from there, uh, because I think he's a long stride guy. Um, he can, he's a solid tackler, likes to hit, you know, you, you don't always see that from your corners. Um, I think he's a guy who's going to be able to get in and, and make himself a, uh, carve himself a path out there for sure. Um, and then, you know, we'll see how this, all this defensive back noise shakes out because, it's going to be a hell of a class if if everything uh, continues to fall into place. I mean, right now you're looking at Jaheim Singletary and Kamari Wilson and basically just keeping your fingers crossed on both of those guys and waiting them out. So um, still feel good about where Georgia stands for both of them. And, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, like I said, another big pickup. And then in 2023, like I said, Raymond Cottrell, uh, four-star wide receiver, uh, flipped straight over from Florida a guy who Georgia had been on for a long time. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, you're talking about a kid who's, gosh, I think he's top 100 for us in the nation. Um, he's really close if he's not. Um, but he's uh, six foot three, six four, two fifteen. 215. Uh, yeah, uh, well, in the consensus, number 83 overall, the consensus. So uh, a consensus top 100 player in the nation in the 2023 class. Um, and, man, if you didn't read what he had to say, 
get over to Dogs HQ and check it out because he flat out. I mean, he flat out talks shit on Florida. I mean, there's no other way to put it. I didn't. I, and if anybody has any issues with with his responses and you think that I led him into that, I'll, I'll play you the audio for you. I don't care because I'm asking the kid normal questions and he just comes out of nowhere and starts throwing haymakers. And I was like, I, I mean, I, I couldn't believe it. I was shocked. But, um, you know, big pickup for 2023. That class really taking shape in a big way as well. Uh, in addition to 2022. I mean, these things are happening simultaneously and uh, things are going well. So uh, big news on the Georgia recruiting front in that regard. Um like I said, now you just wait on Singletary and Wilson when it comes to the defensive backfield, and uh, neither guy has given much of an indication, although, and we've been hearing this for a while, soon. So uh, stay tuned on those guys as well. Uh, well. We'll definitely keep you up to date on everything we're hearing on that in over at Dogs HQ. Um, Palm, we got the uh, Buccaneers of Charleston Southern headed into Athens this upcoming weekend. Gonna be a fun one. Uh, uh, you know, everybody loves a loves an old noon kickoff against uh, uh, FBS or what is this? Are they FCS? FCS. FCS. Yeah. I always get them. I always get them backward. Um, we used to just call it Division Two. Um, so <laughs> I uh, Division One Double A. Yeah. Right. Right. So um, anyway. Uh, make sure you get over to Dogs HQ and check us out this week. Uh, we'll have you fully covered on all things Georgia, Charleston, Southern. Uh, you got anything else, PT? Nope, nope. And and threw it up on the board today. Um, but get on over. You know, you, you bring up the Charleston Southern game. Not sure how much there is going to be to preview there in terms of uh, you know what to look for in that game. So we've, we're opening up the mailbag. Gonna gonna try and answer some of. You know, the questions that you all want later this week uh, when we record that preview show, obviously we'll try and hit on uh, Georgia and Charleston Southern as much as we can, but you know, to, <laughs> to, to make it, to make it worth your while, we, we would love for you all to be a part of the show and, and to submit your questions. So get on over to the dog walk uh, board and, and dogs HQ board and uh, you know, let us know what you want us to talk about. Let us know, uh, you know, what questions you've got as Georgia approaches the postseason. Going to have, uh, you know, two weeks left in this regular season, Jake. It, it feels like yesterday that we were just starting this thing up. And, and you know, now we're on the we're on the final stretch. The, uh, you know, Georgia headed into two non-conference games before they take on uh, the SEC championship game with the opponent still be – to be determined, expecting that to be Alabama and, you know, all eyes are going to be on that contest, but, you know, two weeks to, uh, to tune up for Georgia. No question. And it, yeah, I think, especially this one going to be a tune up, uh, no question about it. So uh, be interesting to see, make sure you tune into that podcast. Cause I don't know what the hell we're going to say about Georgia, Charleston, Southern, uh, other than can they cover this spread? Will there be a spread? That'll be fun to see. Uh, this one could not be on the board. I, I think that would make a lot of sense, but we'll preview all that later this week. In the meantime, get over to dogs HQ, check everything out, get over to the dog walk board. We've got you covered on uh, the community over there. Everybody asking some great questions. We're having a great time over there. Um, certainly got you covered on all things recruiting and PT holding it down for the team and our boy Jack Matheson bringing that basketball coverage too. So a lot more hoops dogs ahead uh, coming up in the next couple months. 
But for Palmer Toms, I'm Jake Roos. Get over to Dogs HQ. Check us out. This has been Dog Walk Talk. Thank you for tuning in.